0: this morning on the wake-up call with kb and andy
1: how big was a surprise it was the biggest surprise ever you know but you know i don't make those decisions you know it was shocking you know um i asked for a november meeting i guess i got a november meeting so i guess you gotta be careful what you ask for it just it just sucks it just sucks man i feel like i i did everything in my will to be a great coach be a great teammate and you know i feel like with What I've done, I think I've, you know, it just hurts the way I was pushed out the door. That's one thing, like, when I found out today, you know, I was heartbroken, but then I realized that I still had had, uh, um, the turkey drive and just seeing the fans for one on social media is just giving love. And now I'm just seeing when I came out here and you know, I'm just seeing the smiles on their faces. You know, that brings joy to me. Cause it just show, goes to show that no matter you know, what other people think about me, the people in Indianapolis, they, they love me for who I am. They love me for what I do on the field. And they love me for what I do in the community. So it's it's a blessing, you know, it's a blessing to be able to be in a position where I'm at. I'm thankful, I'm thankful for that. The Colts, you know, gave me an opportunity back in 2018, re-signed me in 2021. It's been a, I've been blessed. I've been blessed, and I and I think, I thank Chris. I thank Jim Irsey for giving me this opportunity, and you know I'm just I'm just thankful.
2: Alright, lest you thought, yes I used the word lest, that you thought it was going to be a sleepy Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, everyone cutting out of work early, not so fast my friend, as Lee Corso would say, you heard it right there, Shaq Leonard cut yesterday, full reaction here for the next three hours, and then on top of it, the Pacers down 20, down 30 at halftime, an amazing second half, an amazing third quarter, Tyrese Halliburton absolutely Ridiculous. They come back and win. And oh, yeah, Purdue beats the seventh ranked team in the country. He's KB. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dighton. Uh, It is the wake up call. And I just saw KB take a bunch of selfies over there.
3: What are you doing over there? You taking selfies today? What's going on? Thanksgiving Eve. The turkey hat makes its annual return in the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Did you do duck
2: lips, did you? Little kissy
3: face over there on a Wednesday? Did not go duck Uh, lips. Okay. did not refer. I don't know if the duck and the turkey would mix with that. Uh, what? What well, a day. What a 24 hours. What a night. Um, boy, there's no half-ass in this show. <laughs>
2: We thought we were going to give some picks on the Colts and uh, talk, you know, what else we were going to talk about. Talk to Scott Agnes at 830. And boy, yesterday, it blew up, did it not,
3: with Shaq yeah. Leonard? You know, I go back to a week ago Monday, Andy, and, or I guess we week ago Tuesday. Shane Steichen had a press conference following the New England game, and of course they come back from Germany, and it's a Zoom, and then they're done for the week. No media availabilities the rest of the week, and... And I'll share this with Stephen Holder when he joins us at 8, but we got off that Zoom call, and Stephen texted me after I clipped out a Shane Steichen response in regards to Shaquille Leonard's recent play. And Stephen goes, did you hear what I just heard? And basically, at that point, I thought to myself, they are benching Shaquille Leonard. Like, that's what I heard from Shane Steichen last week. And, you know, it's why I wanted us to play the audio. It's why, I've, you know, we've tried to kind of ask some of our recent guests about it. But I did not think at all we'd be looking at a cut of Leonard, let alone um, happening on the day that it did. I, I don't know in season if there are these grand positive ramifications from this move. I, I guess you eliminate a distraction if you want to call Leonard that. Um, but, At the end of the day, I have been one that has preached the need for accountability and more of it. And too often do I think certain statuses of players contractually or even members in that organization, some still employed, have allowed them to skate by. And in no way, shape, or form has Shaquille Leonard lived up to the $20 million price tag that he is owed. It's beyond unfortunate because so much of it, Andy, I think is rooted in his health and the two back surgeries. Oh, he's a beloved player. Make no mistake about it. In five months... um, but this is the harsh reality of a bottom-line business. And the accountability was clearly, clearly sent yesterday in quite the message. And one of the more gargantuan moves you'll see this franchise make. I mean, we're talking about a four-time All-Pro. We're talking about a five-time captain. We're talking about a dude on the side of Lucas Oil Stadium. And you cut him on his off day three hours before he's having his annual turkey giveaway. That's That's a bit cutthroat. Um, but again, the root of it for me lies in accountability and kudos to the Colts for preaching that even if it does come in, um, you know, quite the uh, harsh way. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's always harsh.
2: There's never a good time to do it. You know, I, I, I guess for me, what I would ask you, and I'm going to be asking you guys some questions because I view this differently. And listen, Leonard, especially in that 2021 season, uh, being taken from a small school, being you know n- not not a big linebacker, right? Not having the physique and getting the big contract. And when all is said and done, here you know he's going to end up making what 53, 54 million dollars in his playing time with the Colts. I mean, you know they're going to have to pick up the rest. He'll go be a free agent, and and we'll see if somebody wants to give him a shot here on the back end of the season, but you would categorize this, Kevin, as unexpected, but would we categorize this as a stunner? To, to me, our timing. The,
3: yeah. Timing is the only uh, yeah. stunner uh, okay. to it. I,
2: I'm glad because I didn't know if we were going to. I wanted to keep this kind of organic. I was thinking about even asking you last night, texting you, "Hey, what what are kind of your yeah. thoughts on yeah. this?" So I know which way you're going to go because I view this as not having some of the emotional attachment that you guys have had watching Shaquille Leonard. He a he was a very good player. It is unfortunate that he signed that contract and he played well under. for just a small amount of time, and it's become a disastrous contract. And thank God that they could get out of it at the end of the year. You knew they were going to get out of it uh, at the end of the year. I'm interested, by the way, coming up uh, in a little less than an hour what Stephen Holder of ESPN thinks, but to me, it, it wasn't a stunner. To me, it was unexpected that it happened, but we, for the best part of what now, a week, week and a half, Kevin, have been mentioning, we have done many segments around do you think or should they be benching Leonard, right? We've had that conversation of him not playing, of guys like EJ Speed playing more, the young guys giving those guys an opportunity, and then you throw listen, two straight weeks where Leonard in wins in a winning week in those Locker rooms, okay? Uh, Well, I guess getting ready for Carolina was going to win. You know what I mean. Against Carolina and New England, that it became one of those things where – now he was being a little bit of a distraction, and guess what? And this is what I would love to know. I would love to know what Shane Steichen, how much say he had in this, how much chirping Leonard was doing. You know, you could see him when he was coming off the sidelines on those third downs, second downs, even how unhappy he was with the coaching staff. Uh, this is a new regime, a new culture, and they're trying to build a new feeling in that locker room. In Leonard potentially was not letting that happen,
3: and I think that's part of the story here. I think there's an element as a competitor, though. You want guys like Shaquille Leonard, and you want guys to play with an edge, and you want guys to be fired up. Did Leonard cross a line? I, I, I guess maybe he did. I, I, I thought he handled himself in a in a decently respectful manner in expressing, you know, his displeasure. And maybe there is kind of a code of like, nope, 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 you don't air that dirty laundry publicly, especially when you're winning. So maybe he did cross that line. I just go more to the play on the field. And, and he did not deserve even the amount of playing time that I thought he was getting. Um, I thought EJ Speed should have at least been playing the amount that Leonard was getting. And, and again, and this is obviously what we're going to see moving forward, to me, EJ Speed deserved to even be out there for every snap. And I would assume that is what we're going to see now with him and Zaire Franklin Moving forward, Uh, it was quite the scene last night over at um, Chapel Rock Church on the west side of Indianapolis for Leonard's turkey giveaway. Uh, Several of his teammates, Grover Stewart, uh, Kenny Moore, EJ Speed, Saguna Luby were there uh, passing out turkeys with him. Um, I thought Leonard handled that very well, fielded every question that um, was asked of him about what went down. And Basically, Andy, Monday they had a team photo. Uh, He met with Gus Bradley after that, was told he would be inactive. Uh, coming up this Sunday against Tampa. He was pretty adamant that there was no blow-up or no... You know, it's not like he then marched to Chris Ballard's office and said, This is bull, you know, what the you know, bleep There wasn't one moment that everyone looked at that said, Okay, he's gone because he called
2: the coach this or he called the GM that right, or something right.
3: like that. Sure. And then again, yesterday on the day off, uh, he gets cut and you know, by all accounts, he was a guy that, you know, went around the Colts facility yesterday and thanked people in that building for, you know, what they had done for him over the last six or seven years. And again, he is in a he is the most, probably the most emotional player on that roster. So I can only imagine everything that he was going through and has been through because he's been through injury hell. And this, to me, so much of it dates back to that June back surgery of last year and then Jeff Saturday walking onto the practice field for his first ever practice last November and looking at Leonard and saying, dude, you ain't right. I've seen guys play with nerve issues. You need to get that taken care of. So then he needs another back surgery. And he has that five months after the first one. Nerve, back, 215-pound linebacker, it was never going to end well. And frankly, I think he should take the rest of the year off. I think he should just, you don't want to put any more bad tape out there. You're making a good chunk of change. Take the rest of the year off and regroup and see if you can give it one more run here. In 2024, again for me, Andy, to go back to your question, it's just the timing of it. If you want a nitpick, if you want to, if you want Hollywood endings, if you feel like Leonard deserved better by the organization, I can kind of see where you're coming from. But I'll go back to the accountability. And for someone in my shoes that has felt like that organization has had a lack of it for so many years, um, this is a direct sign of accountability. It's one thing to bench Daryl Baker Jr. It's one thing to bench Deion Jackson. It's another thing to cut a dude off the side of your building. And now you got to put up a horseshoe or thanks for the memory. All right, the words there of Shaq
2: Leonard last night, hours after being cut. Obviously, it's been the story, the story this morning. We'll continue with it here on the Wake Up Call. Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Mark Dighton. Let's go on out to the Payless Liquors Hotline. A man that's been following this story and everything Colts-wise, he follows the Colts for ESPN.com. His name is Stephen Holder. He joins us here on the program. Stephen, good morning. How are you today, sir? Well, doing well. How are you
4: guys this morning? Busy morning.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I mean, we thought we were just going to give some predictions and do some hijinks, right, on a Wednesday before Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, not so fast, my friend. Uh, biggest surprise ever. You heard it in that sound. That's how Leonard described the cutting of him yesterday. I guess, Stephen, let's start there. Was it a surprise, and ultimately, why now? Why did the Colts do this on a Tuesday?
4: Yeah, so for me, I can speak for myself. <clears throat> uh, Leonard has spoken already and said that it was a surprise. Yes, uh, I was. I was very surprised that it happened when it happened. I expected this fully after the season, and I thought even then it was going to be a painful decision. You know, just a a really hard thing to part with a guy who has, uh, you know, been has meant so much to the organization and and the community as as we all know. So then, to, to envision them doing that during this season. I did not even consider that as a as an option um, before this happened. Now, why then was this the decision? From everything that I have gathered, uh, I did spend a lot of time trying to get the backstory here. From everything that I have gathered, this is not really just, oh, well, he complained and we cut him. It's a little deeper than that. It, it, he was going to be inactive, <clears throat> I'm told, for the rest of the season. And I think the prospect of, or even the image of Shaq Leonard standing on the sideline for seven more games, not in uniform, I just don't know that anybody could have really handled that. I mean, Shaq was not equipped to handle that. Uh, For the Colts, it would have been just an incredibly awkward situation. I mean, I think back to, you know what it reminded me of, was Matt Ryan last season, you know, being benched for the, the time that he was being benched and standing on the sideline and, and just, just what a painful image that was, but that's not the same thing. He had just got here. He hadn't done anything in a Colts uniform. He didn't have the same status here uh, that Shaq Leonard does. It's not even close, even though Matt Ryan is certainly a, an all time great player. So I, I think you have to think about it in those terms. Shaquille Leonard would probably have really struggled with this. And again, like I said, the, the Colts, for them, it would have been a very awkward situation. I think in the end, they said, look, let's do the best thing for everybody here and just part ways, let them go somewhere else. Um, in the long term, they think that, that Shaq will be better for this, even though I'm sure it hurts right now.
3: Can Stephen Holder with us here from ESPN? Stephen, um, I just looked at our text conversation, okay? So you and I exchanged yep. a text at 12.42 last Tuesday, and that was in regard to a Shane Steichen comment from the Zoom that Shane had, the only media availability for Shane last week, when he answered a question about Shaquille Leonard and it's funny that you and I were chatting about this last night because we didn't have you on last week we were very gracious of the time that you could give us each week we wanted to respect the bye week so I had jotted down ask Steven about Shaq benching potential that was first on my list to ask you as we got you back on the horn this Wednesday so I guess I'll transition it to this you and I had the same reaction based off Shane Steichen's lack of whatever commitment, praise, everyone describe it uh, towards Shaquille Leonard last week. Shaq told us last night, you and I were both there. They told him he'd be inactive. That was on Monday, he's cut on Tuesday. As best you know, what changed in that 24 hours?
4: Great question, and it's a question I asked. So, here is my understanding. They the decision to to bench him, that was being talked about last week because I remember reaching out to a source last week because as as you just pointed out, this thing was reaching a critical point. That his performance was declining sharply. Yeah, he was a liability. Yes. And so understanding that and then and then hearing the noncommittal comment from Shane, as you just pointed out, I reached out to a couple of people and one of the things that I was told is, look, we told everybody to go home for the buy, take a breather. We Everybody needs to take a step back. So that was an acknowledgement that that this was weighing on people. And then I was also told that in the end we'll do what we need to do, whatever that is. I interpreted that as, okay, he's not going to play. He's being benched. And and that was the decision, because that's what they told him on Monday. So, to your point, what changed? That was my question. I, I don't think anything changed in terms of someone's actions. Shaq didn't do anything. He didn't come in and go postal. None of that. It wasn't that. I think it's what I outlined earlier. The more they thought about it, the more they – sort of came to the realization that, man, this is going to be too painful. It's just not going to work. And and I think that is what changed their position from, okay, let's just sit him to let's part ways. It sounds harsh. And I, I agree. At, at first thought I was like, this is crazy. Just, just bench him. Right. You know, like, why do you have to cut him? you got to pay him anyway. What's the point? And so the more I thought about it, though, I, I do understand the perspective. I, I get it. it. It's almost – I'm not saying he would have willfully been a distraction. Maybe he would have been a distraction. But the, but the image of Shaq just being there and not playing and, and, and that storyline, it is kind of a distraction, even if he doesn't want it to be. Even through no fault of his own, it's a distraction. You know what I mean? And so I, I just think it was just so much, and it would have been so heavy – that they just said this is going to be better for both parties if we part ways. Um, again, his comments didn't help. There's no question about that. But it's not a two plus two is four. He spoke out. He's pissed. They got rid of him. It's it's definitely more delicate than that.
3: Yeah, I guess you kind of hit on it there, but I was going to ask as a follow-up, um, in your latest on ESPN.com, you do mention in that story that you know Shaq's public um, disagreement airing, of the disagreement with the staff over his lack of role, yeah. scaled back role, want everyone describe it, um, was not a factor in this decision. You you believe that?
4: Well, not a. It's not a direct result. Of what I'm getting at, you know what I mean? Like I, I guess, I, like, had
3: he been choir boy, would he still be here?
4: Right. Maybe, maybe. It, it, I think. I think the bigger issue is is less that he spoke out and and more about sacks makeup i mean he he referenced this yesterday he i think it was a question i asked him you know did i asked him did do you think your comments played a role in this he said he thought perhaps they did uh but what he the bigger point he made and i think it's an important point and he's very self-aware <laughs> he said not everybody can handle my strong personality basically is what he said you know and he is a strong personality and it's it's funny because that is what makes him so good or made him so good, Shaquille Leonard. If he was just this sort of meek and quiet guy, I don't think he would ever have been as successful a football player. His personality is the same on and off the field. I mean, on the field, he's loud, he's brash. Off the field, he's loud, he's brash, and he's going to tell you what he thinks. <laughs> and so, I don't. if I'm a coach, if I'm a general manager, I don't want that guy to change because otherwise he becomes a different player. But now that you're not as good a player, you know, He's right. That becomes, you know, uh, that becomes who you are, but it it doesn't help you on the field as much because you're not going to be playing. So I don't know. It's it's a there's a lot of nuance here, I guess, but it's it's a it's not a direct result of his comments. It's more about Shaq as a competitor would have been miserable sitting on that sideline, and I think the Colts knew that. Stephen
2: Holder with us here on the Wake Up Call. It's the fan on this Wednesday. Stephen joins us. He's from ESPN on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. You know, we talked about this last segment, Stephen, that, you know, we, we asked the question, you know, what was this? You know, it's all hindsight of course. You know, is this, was this a bad deal by Chris Ballard, giving a big deal to a non-premium position player? Uh, we know, though, a face of a franchise, you know, four, four and a half seasons, of great football from him what do you make of the contract then and now in all of that conversation as now leonard is gone
4: no i'm glad you asked that because i did want to i did want to talk about this i think i think it's it's a great question and an important one so i actually think there's plenty of room to criticize chris ballard on lots of things and we do it all the time on this is not one of them in my opinion just give him one man's opinion i gonna tell you why this is a guy in in Shaquille Leonard. This is a guy who, yes, you could say an off-ball linebacker is not a premium position in today's NFL. I don't disagree with that. I think this guy was different. And so, when I when I think when you look at who you want to resign and who you want uh, to build your team around, you're looking for unique players who can change games in whatever fashion they do it. There is no question. Shaquille Leonard unquestionably is one of the biggest game changers we've ever seen in Indianapolis Colts history, period. So I don't really think there's anything else to talk about. They did the right thing. They signed him. And and they signed him at a time before they knew the extent of what he was dealing with. They could not have known that, right? So I have zero issue with it. I think Chris Ballard did the right thing. He, there are games I can point to where Shaq Leonard literally won them, the game, period, and of story. So those who who feel differently, that's fine. I mean, I get it. It's it, in hindsight, it looks bad, but we don't operate in hindsight. We operate in the moment, and in the moment, that was the right thing to do. And Shaq Leonard was was one of their very best players. This organization has seen. Period.
2: Steven, the reason the reason fans do that and media does that and everything else is we gotta find someone to blame. And, and, yeah. and in this, unfortunately for Leonard, and this is like the human aspect of it, his bo- his body let him down. He gave his body to the Colts and to the NFL, and I'm not sure there is much left, and we want to place blame, and again, we can do that at Ballard, we can get mad at Leonard, but in the end, you know, he played one great year under that deal, and then the back and everything else gave away, and sometimes we don't like to sit back and say, that's just really crappy luck, and that's what it was for the most part.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I I do think there's someone we can blame. It's football. That's who we can blame. (laughs) Injuries suck. Yeah. Yeah, it's football. And I I hate it. You know, I've written too many of these stories over the years. You know, just reflecting on this, you know, the other night or last night. You know, just I've written so many of these stories about um, what could have been. You know, we've all done it, talked about it, written about it. And it's it's sad. It, It really is sad. I mean, I... I, I've watched I've rewatched the video of Shaq talking, you know, a few times now and I'm not gonna lie, it, it's it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch. Um there's hurt. There's a lot of hurt there, you can tell. And and I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna take up a collection for the guy. I mean he made fifty million dollars on this contract. Um I'll never make fifty million dollars in my life, right? But and and none of us listening to this show most likely will. <laughs> However, <laughs> I'm pretty safe in saying that, right? But but I, I think we can still identify and, and sort of, you know, um, you know take, take some, some compassion, I guess, have some compassion for, for what he's gone through and, and what he's going through. And, and just, the, you know, the, the hurt that's involved with, you know, your body not being able to do what it did at such a high level, I mean, that has got to be a crushing feeling that I, I can't identify with.
3: Yeah, especially one that's wired in the ways that he is wired. Um, Again, Stephen Holder's with us here, ESPN. Stephen, I don't really know if I have a question with this, but I, I do find it just interesting, a bit crazy, however you want to describe it, that you have the Jonathan Taylor situation play out like it did over that, you know, last handful of months, his agent, Malki being the same agent of Shaquille Leonard's. And again, I think the film tells you enough. Like, I don't yeah. think that Malki would have had much of a stance to kind of go on in defending his client. But you know, the fact that the Taylor extension gets done a month ago, this Leonard thing happens about a month later. I, I don't know. All, all of it. I find kind of like interesting and think, you know, what, what, how would this all have played out if for some reason they didn't give Taylor that deal? Or if, you know, Leonard would have looked like this very early in the season? Or if the Colts would have got to the end of September and said, enough is enough. Uh, all of it is just really interesting when you look a little bit deeper into the business side of it all.
4: Well, I, I, all I can say is that uh, the, Chris Ballard and Malki Kawa have become <laughs> have become uh, very frequent players um, uh, I guess they've had a lot of frequent conversations lately, more than they ever imagined, I'm sure. Sure. Um, and, and a lot of high-level conversations. <laughs> All I can say is I, I do think the, the two situations uh, were handled completely separately. I know you're not saying they weren't. I, I don't think there's any influence from one or the other. It is, it is a very interesting intersection, though. I mean, the, the Taylor situation was so public – and, and so unusual you know, for the way these things are handled um, that it, you know, it, it, it's really fresh in our minds and, and it was just a, such a big deal. So I get that. And I don't know that I agree with you. There's not really a question. I just think it is an interesting intersection. What I'd say is that uh, I, you talked about the film showing it. I think that's true in both players' cases. Look at Jonathan Taylor's film right now. You look at it, even though the yards aren't there, I know, because teams are loading up to stop the run. But if you just watch him, you're like, all right, that's a, that's a superstar running back. You can see it, you know? And then if you look at Shaq right now, same thing. Look at the tape. You can look at him and say, okay, if you took the name off his jersey, you say, okay, that guy shouldn't be playing. You know, so ultimately, I think the team did, you know, they, they, what they did was understandable in both cases. You know, they, they paid a great player and resolve the problem. And in this case, uh, they parted ways with a declining player. And uh, that's, that's the game.
2: Stephen Holder with us. Uh, Stephen, I- I'll ask you this, and this might be a stupid question. Uh, we-, we have just mentioned this. Right, listen, it's conspiracy theory, but you had the Jim Ursay comments, you know, went public yesterday. And then the Andrew Kramer interview was last night at 10 o'clock. So uh, that probably would have been a bigger part of the show had the Leonard stuff not happened. Y- you don't see, I assume, any connection, uh, you know, in-, in those two things. And then I guess I'll ask you any reaction to any of the Jim Ursay stuff. I don't know if you've seen the 15 uh,
4: minute interview or not. I did see the interview. Uh, I I don't think I, I don't subscribe to the idea that there's any connection. I mean, as I said earlier, remember this is very important. Uh, conversations about Shaq they've been ongoing since last week. R- well, I mean, even prior to that. But I mean, sure. My my suspicion is that they decided over the bye week that this was the plan. That not to cut him necessarily, but but at least to sit him down that was decided even before the players got back in the building on Monday. So yeah, I think it's really just coincidental. <clears throat> I don't think there was any connection to the, the Ursa interview. So no, I, I don't subscribe to that. Well, as far as the interview, yeah, look, I, I do think certainly <laughs> Ursay definitely raised a lot of eyebrows with that comment he made about the Carmel police. Um, I happen to disagree, but he's entitled to his opinion. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm not I, I'm not so sure I'd get that break, or any of us would get that break from the Carmel police. Someone that lived in Carmel my
3: whole life, uh, you are correct, Steve. Sadly, you are correct. And Jim Murray, yeah, that was an idiotic comment.
4: Yeah, I, I'm not sure. What, I, I just don't understand the basis for that comment. I really don't. I mean, we saw the, the dash cam video, and I look.
3: And doubling down on the comment when Andrea Kramer gave him an opportunity to clarify
4: right i mean it 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 was all self-explanatory i don't i don't know why we have to even rehash that i mean like okay it happened i thought he had owned up to it it is what it is and i don't know but anyway i was surprised that he that he took that approach but i would say overall uh credit to him on the other hand though i think for being very transparent um i mean a lot of what's in there we we did know right i mean we, we have those of us who have you know, followed this team for many years and know his story, know his father's history. Um, I, I think it's it is very important as a Colts fan to to understand you know how much he did learn from his father uh, and took lessons from the good and the bad. I think, I think that was very important to reinforce that because it really has informed how Jim Irsay conducts himself as an owner. Um, I remember reading about, I believe in nineteen seventy four. I I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure Bob Ursay, if I recall correctly, he fired a coach like in the locker room after a game, you know, and so and and Jim had to like try to help them pick up the pieces after that. I mean, you know, you see the impact of just just uh, just ridiculous decisions like that. And you exact you understand exactly what not to do, you know, so he has been outside of last season, which was out of character for Jim Irsay. But Jim Mercy has been extremely deliberative um, as a as an owner, and I think thoughtful and and definitely someone who has taken counsel of others. He didn't always listen, and he doesn't always listen. But but he's smart enough to understand um, that he needs to to take his time with things. And and a lot of that I think comes from the rash decisions of his father, uh, and then confronting his addiction. Right, he saw what it did to his father, and. He, Jim, uh, understood that it was not too late to do something about it and to to confront it, and he did, and, and kudos to him for that.
3: Yeah, you get arrested in Carmel for looking at the statues wrong in downtown Carmel. Um, I guess I, that's I, something I need to know. I need to I pick think, your brain during the break. I think you're get arrested for the dash cam video and behind the wheel of a car looking like he did back in 2014. Um,
4: Stephen, hey, all I can say is, hey, take your time with those roundabouts, okay?
3: Yeah, hell yeah. Take your time at those roundabouts as an understand. Don't get caught looking at those statues. Uh, Steven, uh, I guess good seeing you last night. Happy Thanksgiving, and I appreciate the time as always, man.
4: Okay, all the best to you guys and your families.
3: Yeah, quite the game last night.
2: Pacers winners 157-152. Reminder, as uh, KB would say, Halliburton skipping back to game Ridge. Pacers and Raptors are pregame game coverage. Baby. You did coin that. I saw you tweet that last night. Now, did you I saw see, that.
3: Did you see the uh, Quinn Buckner video that Halliburton I tweeted out? I did. He was having a good time. You know, there, there's times <laughs> where my ears can bleed a little bit with, uh, with, with hearing Quinn, but that was, a pretty good dan- that was a pretty good video there by Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, he does get excited. At the end of those games when they're close. Quinn was busting a move there. Well, he's in the Atlanta. ATL. He's feeling good. Well, it's a, a big play. win. You move on in the tournament and, you and get everything else. Post-game stop at Magic City. Isn't that where <laughs> Lou Williams got <laughs> that, the lemon pepper wings, you're, you're right? D- you're damn right. I during, 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 yeah, during, during the lockdown. Yeah, during the yeah, during lockdown. The he got, he got fined like, or those, suspended or whatever. If they didn't have a back-to-back, <laughs> I think Coach Carlisle's got to take him to Magic City. we'll ask him next Tuesday. Sure. Those wings have to be phenomenal. Listen, I want to stop it. Every time I say we go through Atlanta, I'm like, I want to stop at that strip I mean, club. mean they the wings. Ashley gives me the biggest side eye. I'm like, well, it has to be good. Ashley, the we're going to Bucky's, and we're going to Magic City. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you girls, stay in the car. I'll go get wings. That's all I'll do. Be, back in, right two back.
2: An, be back in two and a half hours. That'd be $2,000 uh, uh, out of your school bank account. I haven't buddy, stopped yet. I had a buddy move to Atlanta, and he's like, I'm going to go early on when I move. He's been there nine months, and he hasn't went, so I figured he would be live. But anyway, 7 o'clock tonight, our pregame coverage here on the fan Pacers and Rap on the back-to-back. Let's get Agnes in in here. Uh, Scott Agnes joins us. Payless Liquors Hotline. Fieldhouse Files following the Indiana Pacers. And uh, Scott, first of all, good morning. Second of all, I was... uh following your Twitter last night, and, and I agreed with you. You know, down 20, the defense was, you know, pretty pathetic. And you're thinking, wow, this is going to be back-to-back, really bad games, potentially blowout games for the Pacers. And then they come all the way back, 46 points in the third quarter. Halliburton had 26 of those. So let's begin the conversation with this. How about that last night? Wow. Wow.
0: Yeah, I'm still trying to get over 309 total points. I laughed at Miles Turner was like, tweeted after the game, man, the game has changed a <laughs> lot <laughs> since he entered the league. I was like, yeah, that's absolutely true. You look at the box score, for example, last night, and, and there's just so many things that come across as just ridiculous. Like, how about both teams shooting 60%, both teams shooting 48% from three? How about, like, Uh, all but like 140 basically 40 point quarters across the board like so much is different than those say those Pacers Pistons battles from the early 2000s It's, it's almost still hard to fathom exactly what we witnessed in all of the offense last night.
3: Again, Scott Agnes with us here, bumping him up a day and feels very fitting from what we saw last night. A historic one in Atlanta. Um, let's go with actually the starting lineup uh, angle, if you don't mind Scott. Um, your surprise level at seeing that. I my first reaction, I'll be honest, I thought it was like a bit panicky. I'm thinking, wait a minute, didn't a week ago they just have one of the best games of the season against the Sixers, and Obi scored how many, and Matherin, you know, was great against the Bucks, and like all the, I, I, I was a little surprised to be honest with you. So, what did you think when you saw the starting lineup change?
0: I wasn't and completely surprised because of how utterly pissed off Rick was after that last game. I, I was expecting just something to be different about this game. Purely because of that, um, just kind of based on his, his tone, demeanor, what he had said um, for the last couple of days, you, I just expected something um, to kind of be representationational of you know the disgust that he expressed. It felt like really the last couple of days. Um, it sounded like at least post game that you know this wasn't uh, certainly you know something that they were going to do in the necessarily the short term, but um we'll see it it was clear that that the first lineup was not their best lineup we saw so many times this season how they've used a different lineup to close the game primarily with Aaron at that four and it gives them more more of a, a better defensive more versatile lineup um and what's amazing speaking even to my comment earlier about how the game has evolved I mean to close the game you have Smaller lineups. You have what, Jalen Johnson and Obi Toppin as the, the centers, I think, to finish games. Just, <laughs> it, 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 it was really crazy what went down.
2: Scott Agnes with us here on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. You know, we, you know, KB mentioned this, and it's a good point. You know, you, you're trying to develop a guy like Matherin, and you're also not sure if Buddy Heald is going to be here next year or even at the end of this season, right? I mean, the trade deadline mm-hmm. in a few months. But there's also, you know, you get into the season, you want to win games. We talked about this with the Colts, you know. We can talk about tanking and draft picks and position and everything else. But when you get into the season— those players and coaches are working their ass off to win these games. And the Pacers are no different. So there's the balance of we want Matherin to develop, but to win we might need to play him a little bit less and not start him. Uh, What do you think is going on in Carlisle and even the the mind of the Pacers as they're trying to kind of walk that fine line with a couple guys, especially Benedict Matherin?
0: Yeah, it's a balancing act just because kind of the roster – how it is built, how it's flawed still, in the fact that they don't have a true wing um, out there, and that's why you so often see, you know, the six eight wings go off against the Pacers, um, even like you did Bogdan Bogdanovich in the first half last night. By the way, they held him to four points in the second half, which is of, of note, um, I think, as well. But, yeah, that's the teetering act that, that they're currently experiencing, and that's why I'm also curious to see will that starting lineup change exist beyond maybe last night, where it's, it is that in-season tournament game. And with a win like they got, now all players uh, from that team are, were guaranteed $50,000 in a bonus as part of this news price. <laughs> Not win, bad. And still continue to grow, right? Yeah. So maybe they do treat this a little bit differently, or it's kind of a one-game thing after coming off their worst game, probably, of the season, just in terms of – executing a game plan and kind of being lifeless out there I thought the last game but to the greater point you're absolutely right because to me uh, after what we've seen and what what this group is it is more about development they still as we saw Sunday they still need uh, additional help you need two three superstars to be an NBA contending team and right now they like like the power while uh, the, the superstar power, rather, um, and while the players want to talk about reaching the playoffs, and that's all great and absolutely what they are thinking about, you do want to step back sometimes and think, all right, what is what's going to help us be a power in the East for the next five, seven years here, um, you know, beginning maybe next year or the next year, because um, you you look at this, and that's where you do wonder a little bit about the lack of playing time for the first round picks. You you wonder about Matherin and. You know, him starting or closing games. And the theme of training camp absolutely has been earn it. You got to go earn it. Nothing is being given. But uh, at the same time, there's some times where I see him playing for the future and the development, and other times, hey,
2: this is all about winning. Now, it's difficult, and by the way, the guys responded. Everyone played well, but yeah, all four it, of them. It's mm-hmm. it's go ahead, KB. But it's just no. it's it's a difficult line to walk. And it was the
3: by yeah. the way, it was the right thing to do yesterday.
2: Immediately, Heald comes out and uh, Neesmith Smith come
3: out, and they make shots. And again, I I think you know, something Rick did say after the game, as Scott pointed out. You know, he's not married to it. I assume we'll see it tonight, but you know, we'll see how it evolves over the course of the season. All right, Scott, we're 13 games into it again. Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse House Files, joining us here on the payload stickers Hotline. Um. Should we accept that the Pacers stink on defense? It's not going to change. So junk it up on that end of the floor and try to outscore teams night in, night out.
0: I mean, that's kind of got to be the feeling, I think, until they show us something differently, right? Like what have we seen to lead us any other direction right now? Um, Just defensively, there's been so many things that have just been frustrated about the way in which, They haven't gotten the results at that end of the floor, and and we haven't seen that now for two-plus seasons. So, yeah, that's, that's really my mindset right now, KB, is
2: I'll believe it when I see it here. What is your uh, last one for me? What what, is, what what are your thoughts on the Raptors tonight besides Scotty Barnes? <laughs> Barnes has had a, a good start to the season. I'm looking at it right now. ESPN gives the Pacers a 63% chance to win uh, tonight and the spread is three and a half. I'm looking at it right now on DraftKings. What do you make of the matchup tonight? What's the
0: over-under? That's what we're going to all will oh, dude, it's. before I, game
2: time. I bet it every time it's 238.5, and, and you better get it now if you can because it's going to get up to <laughs> 243 at least before game time, you would imagine.
0: Although I will say, you asked about my thoughts for this one, the first thing is just a, a road home back-to-back is, is
2: very difficult.
0: I'm wondering, and one thing I'm considering in the future here is to play at this level, to score and and allow so many points, is that sustainable just for the number of possessions and those sorts of things that factor in stuff I've never had to really consider before? But here's what my first impression of this matchup is, is will it be a repeat somewhat of Sunday? They are two very similarly built teams in that they are based off uh, a prototype. They're all 6'8", wings, athletic, lengthy.
3: Very interchangeable. Um,
0: yeah absolutely and previously I, I forget if it was the last several or just the last one that comes to mind but they they kind of minimized Tyrese uh, in what they tried to do and just sent guys on him and made everybody else work and that's we saw from Orlando, that's the that's the model. That's if you want to beat the Pacers, just like we saw in the fourth quarter of last night's game, is you got to minimize Tyrese and make sure the others have to do something. Now, they came up big last night in the fourth quarter, um, but I'm very curious to see the length, that athleticism, and is it a repeat of Sunday, or what changes have the Pacers made? Because uh, Toronto's that forward-thinking type roster.
3: All right, Scott, before we let you go, and again, happy Thanksgiving to you and and all of our listeners out there. A couple of quick hitters. uh, It's on the bingo card. I can't let you go without. (laughs) Did I see, and my eyes could have been deceiving me last night uh, when I read in the wee hours of the morning, but did I see that we've got a Bally Sports Holiday Special? We do, yeah. (laughs) Tell us more. This is Christmas. uh, Christmas is early. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, so for those holdouts or those that, you know, are, you know, in between, I'm being on the fence right here. Here's your perfect <laughs> chance. Three months, 45% off, I think is what it is. So $33 for the next three months. Uh, is what they're offering there at Valley Sports, so you can check that out on their site.
2: That's great. I already All paid right. money uh, a couple months yeah, ago, so yeah, that's great. Right. I'm, I'm glad they're running that holiday deal.
0: Good uh, luck trying to get the <laughs> price adjustment. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say maybe I'll Give call, them in. A call. Their customer yeah.
3: service, I'm sure, will be on uh, that. Oh, uh, wait, 82 minute time.
0: <laughs> I, I will. I will say, guys, they did specify that it's for new and returning customers. I think. Look at that, uh, Andy okay. Sweeney. Okay, you have. I think as long as you hadn't subscribed for the last 30 days, but. Also, who knows with their system? So feel free to give it a try.
3: And Scott, also a uh, little plug for yourself—you got a little state finals action coming up, right? Yeah, I got a big, big
0: week. It's funny—I think about friends and normal jobs, right? And they're like off all week. It's like that's not the case in our uh, our sports world. I have IUPUI women's basketball this afternoon on ESPN Plus, and then coming up on Friday, I'll have, uh, Friday, I'll have the one A sideline radio, and then on Saturday, radio for us. Uh, Uh, on the sideline for the 6A game with Rakestraw, so that'll be a great time.
3: Greg Greg Rakestraw going to join us here coming up at 9. Yeah, the usuals. John Herrick, Pat Boylan, Mark James, Rake, Jerry Baker, the legend, Brendan King, Kurt Darling, Jimmy Cook, Mark Forster. Uh, A lot of people going to be doing a little radio and TV this weekend for the state finals. Scott, have a great Thanksgiving, man. Obviously, it's going to be busy. Um, Always enjoy our conversations, and appreciate you bumping up uh, one day with us this week.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Likewise. Appreciate you guys.
3: The words of
2: Shaq Leonard uh, last night, hours after finding out the Colts had cut him. We've talked about that uh, much of the show today, and we'll continue to do so. Greg Ragstraw joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Greg, good morning. I know you are super busy. Boy, what a time of the year for you, but I want to start out this morning first. Good morning, and second of all, uh, your reaction to the Shaq Leonard uh, saga, his career here in Indianapolis, and everything in between.
5: You know, it's jaw-dropping when you see the news yesterday morning, Andy, but obviously now we've had nearly 24 hours to kind of react to it and understand the reasoning behind it. Uh, Your guys' conversation with Stephen last hour I thought was tremendous. You know, and in the immediate aftermath, I I almost had assumed that it was more of Shaq being told, hey, listen, we're going to sit you and asking for his release. Clearly that was not the case. Um, So it seems like it was more of a preemptive move by the Indianapolis Colts. I understand the logic and reasoning behind it. Um, I can point to a couple of missed plays in open space against the Patriots heading into the bye week. So, again, I I get it. I understand it. I see what the tape sees, too. Um, But it's still remarkable to think how quickly we got to this point with one of the most, you know, Widely recognized and well-known members of the Indianapolis Colts.
3: Greg, I don't know if it's this black and white. I don't necessarily want to act like you know I asked this just to take some blatant shot at Frank Reich. But how much do you think the Shane Steichen presence, a little bit of the no nonsense nature, is at play in this decision?
5: It is significant in terms of the immediate reaction of if you don't do your job on the field, we will find somebody else. Whether that's a roster spot. Well, that's in terms of the uh, starting lineup. But that is a rather obvious, um, you know, difference in doing business that we have seen from the previous four and a half years and and then a fifth, you know, whatever you would call last year uh, to this year. And obviously there was Deion Jackson in week one. uh, The fact that Darrell Baker got put on the witness protection program uh, for some bit of time this year before injuries dictated that he simply had to play. Uh, and now it's a kill third. So that is an obvious 180 from how things like this were handled in the past.
3: All right, Rake, I know this is kind of Christmas Eve approaching for you. I hope I've got the schedule right. <laughs> 5A and 4A TV, 6A radio, is that correct?
5: That is correct. And that is after having high school basketball last night and high school basketball... Uh, this evening. So as I'm talking to you I have my Tri West notes in front of me that I'm working on for their season opening (laughs) against Cascade. And then once I get that preparation put to bed this morning, then I will dive back into football which I had a heavy dose of on Monday afternoon at the state finals meeting downtown
3: Soil. You are a bleeping legend, uh, but I think we already knew that. All right, let's start 4A. Honestly, I'm kind of intrigued by this one, Rake, and it doesn't involve local teams. It's Northwood, it's East Central. We had Kyle Rip on earlier in the week, and I don't think Kyle just says stuff to say it. He's like, I think East Central has got a team that could make some noise in 6A. And then in, in Northwood, you've got a dude going to Georgia playing receiver, Tell us more about that that one on a Saturday afternoon, Evan. Definitely about the
5: other dude on the other side going to Michigan. They got two of them. All right, <laughs> they, have, they have two Division One, significant Division One talent. That's absurd. No, and
3: and, and so, for those that don't know, Rick, I, sorry to interrupt. Where is Northwood?
5: So Northwood is the two towns of Wakarusa and Napanee. So just a little bit southeast of South Bend. They're a school of about eight hundred or so students very proud athletic tradition tremendous football tradition their head coach Nate Andrews uh, played for his dad at Northwood High School now he's been the head coach at Northwood for the last 10 years they made the state final seven years ago and got beat by Ron Colley. but this is their eighth trip down state to play in the 3A or 4A finals now they're one in six in those games uniquely the one they went 3-6 and six during the regular season. It's the most losses by a team to ever win a state champion of football was Northwood in 3-8, beating charge 7 nothing, back in 2005. Niterion Tuggle, better known as Nitro, he's the young man that's going to play at Georgia, and both these kids have unique stories. He was going to go to IMG and play his last year. IMG basically made a policy change and said they were not going to accept one-semester or one-year transfers. So he returns to Northwood and, and is, is back at a school where he had 15 touchdowns last year. JoJo Edmond is the other star receiver for Northwood. He was at Warren Central the last three years. The family felt that, that they wanted a change of scenery, change of environment for him. And this was not something where they were upset with Mike Kirshner or the coaching. It was they felt they wanted a, a different community for him to kind of, you know, finish his high school career in. So Mike Kersner actually helped find him a place to play. He's got family in the South Bend area. And because of the respect he had for Nate Andrews, he ends up going to Northwood. So JoJo played at Warren like as a freshman and was a basketball player at Warren Central as well. Uh, He was going to go to Purdue. He ended up flipping to Michigan um, early. I don't know if it was some sort of sign-stealing thing or what. He's going to go to Michigan uh, coming up next year. So you've got ridiculously talented wide receivers. Because of that, you've got the second-leading passer in the state, an Owen Raider, um, and, and we haven't even talked about East Central yet, who, as you so eloquently put, you know, they, they can hang with the 6A teams. I don't think they can win 6A because if they played a 6A schedule on a weekly basis, you start to get beat up. That is what makes what Ben Davis has done the last month all the more remarkable. In the fact of in a span of a month, they've got a way to beat Brownsburg Cathedral and Center Grove. That, that's stupefying the path that they have had to get to this point. And Crown Point will not be easy. But I, I've been thinking about this because I've got a lot of experience in foray, you know, being the former voice of Ron Colley 20 years ago, um, seeing the great Cathedral teams that you know about. Uh, And I think East Central is kind of at that level in terms of the great teams that have been outside of the top division. They've got Josh Rinsen going to play at Miamiville of Ohio. They've got Ryan Brotherton that's going to Western Michigan. Um, Their line play is tremendous. They don't play the best schedule, but it seemingly doesn't bother them. And the two teams of note on their schedule in the regular season, they, like Ben Davis and Center Grove, be presenting Moeller this year Moeller is still playing in the Ohio playoffs and they were 0-3 against teams from Indiana this year um, and they also smoked Ron Colley in week number 9 and Ron Colley was down this year but still East Central is, is a juggernaut I don't think Northwood could stop them but I think Northwood has a chance to match them score for score because East Central has not faced a wide receiver duo like Northwood has so uh, I was on the call of New Pal and New Prairie, well, I want to say in 2014, that game finished 77-42.
0: <laughs>
5: I'm, I'm not so sure that we're, we're going to be talking Pacers and Hawks of high school <laughs> in the 4A game coming up on Saturday afternoon. We also don't need to skip over
2: the kid's, the kids nickname is Nitro. I love that. <laughs> I mean, of course, he's going to
5: Georgia. Hell yeah, I mean, that's they, fantastic. They, they 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 sound like a, a, a they sound like a, a, a potential R and B act or a, the next like tag team champs. Yeah, Nitro and JoJo. I mean, those are exactly, the guys on the outside from North. That,
2: you know what, Rake? That's exactly what they sound like. One of those. You're exactly right, Greg Rankstraw With us, uh, I'm not asking you to pick these games, but like if there's a game that you could see overtime, game winning field goal, walk off touchdown, a memorable type game, what do you? think it would be over Friday and Saturday and then there, and and then if there's a game that could get away where you might see some separation early what game would that be as well do you think
5: I think the games are both on Friday that I'm going to reference um first of all I, I think the most competitive game I think it's going to be 5A because Fort Wayne Snyder and Decatur Central are very much mirrored images other I happen to have Fort Wayne Snyder the first game of the year that was our season opening game them playing at Warren Central. And part of the storyline there was that this was the first year that the Fort Wayne school did not play a full round-robin schedule. Ten teams in the Summit Athletic Conference. You just played all nine. And as we had gotten into 5A football and 6A football, the larger Fort Wayne school's base said, listen, we have to have a chance to play the in area schools so we have a better idea as to what we have to do to be more successful in later rounds of the tournament, and this was the first year that was the case. So Snyder opened at Warren and won by 20. Mm. And this was a Snyder team. And Warren was down by their standards this year. We we didn't know that then. We kind of we know it now. Um, but but Snyder graduated a lot of kids off their team last year. And they put up 42 points that first, and, and put it in perspective. You know, Center Grove didn't score against Warren Central until the second half of their regional game. So that kind of told to say, I, I, I told people that, I said, I, I had Snyder's first game, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to have their last game, too. Uh, that's exactly how it played out. Decatur Central has a really talented sophomore class, led by quarterback Bo, Post, uh, Bo Holston. hope I can say that better on Friday night. Um, Bo also has an offer from Michigan. He's a sophomore. Um, I actually saw him play as an eighth grader. There's this youth football event we do on ISC called the Casey Oates Memorial Football Tournament. And Bo is throwing, like, 30-yard outs as an eighth grader. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) I I think this kid could be playing high school football right now. Well, he's been the starter in D.C. the last two years. Um, Decatur Central benefits from a league that has gotten exponentially better in football, which is the mid-state. So Franklin, Plainfield, Mooresville, Whiteland, Decatur Central, Martinsville, all of those teams have gotten pretty good in football. Uh, as the suburbs have kind of grown, the football programs have grown in that area. And so D.C. plays a really good schedule, uh, and, and and here they are playing a state championship game for the first time in five years. So I think the 5A game might be the best of them all. As far as game that, that I think might be lopsided, I think it's 3A, mm. just because we have basically gotten to the point that the years in which Chittard is in 3A they are going to win 3A. They are going back to 4A next. It's going to put on this, you know, the roller coaster. Two years in 4A, come back down. I kind of think going forward, Shatard will likely do enough to kind of stay in 4A and, and maybe isn't coming back. Uh, I know that the years they've been in 4A kind of run. has been good or Cathedral's been there in 4A. Clearly, now Cathedral is, is, is going to be in 6A, I think for the foreseeable future. Heritage Hills is a good team uh, that, that, that held off a really good Gibson Southern team to win the semi State. But I don't think there's anybody on Heritage Hills' schedule that can replicate what Chittard does. Uh, and, again, because of how Chittard plays, I'm not sure this is you know 42-7. to seven. Maybe it's 28-3, 28-10, but I probably think the 3A game is the one that has the biggest potential to be a little bit lopsided. All
3: right, Rick, obviously we'll have all the games on our airwaves. It's the odd classes on Friday, even on Saturday, beginning at 11 a.m. each of those two days. I know we've covered it before, but I think it's worth mentioning it again before we let you go. For those wanting to experience a TV, a video, a stream view, the only location and the price tag that comes with that is where?
5: IHSATV.org, I believe it's $15 for one game or 20 for the entire weekend, to just fork down the entire weekend. Uh, but everything is online. Everything is streaming. Everything is behind a, a paywall this year. Again, it's been great to be on Valley Sports Indiana the last several years. Before that, there was a broadcast television network. Before that, it was Comcast. Before that, 40 and 46, and obviously the, the, the halcyon days of, of, of Channel 4. Again, I hope at some point in time there's a television option, but as of right now, it is all online. Let's face it, more of consuming is going that direction anyway. And again, um, I will do my my gosh darn best to make sure that I give you money's worth when you tune in for both the 4A and 5A broadcasts.
3: Rake, any advice for the Thanksgiving plate on Thursday?
5: Um, Treat it like Chicago politics, KB, early in Austin. <laughs> or no, okay. here's what you do since you' just since you're a neighborhood uh, rat like I am yeah feel feel good about the amount of food you consume on Thursday by walking in the drumstick dash, which is what I am doing tomorrow. You end up walking around like the guy in Lethal Weapon 2 that just says diplomatic immunity and does what he wants. Um, so they shot him at the end of the movie, so maybe you don't take it all the way uh, to the end of that theory. But uh, that's at least how my, uh, my intestine is going to play it tomorrow. I'm going to walk four and a half miles and pretty much eat an entire turkey by myself.
3: No better advice You're damn right you will. than that from yes. Greg, Rake Straw. Rake, have a hell of a weekend, man. Uh, I know it's loaded, and uh, we will be listening, watching, doing it all.
5: Take a Sunday, buddy. Happy Thanksgiving, guys.